You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Thanks, BuzzFeed. I needed that. I was doing a little reading when I got up, checking out my go-to news sites, thinking about what I might talk about at the top of today's show, Trump dismantling the United States Postal Service to rig the election, Trump thinking a temporary payroll tax cut that guts Social Security is what we need at a time of mass unemployment, a payroll tax cut when millions of Americans have been booted from payrolls, and then Trump sending his treasury secretary out to tell Americans that Trump will make that temporary payroll tax cut permanent if we reelect him in November because blackmailing Ukrainians didn't work out, so now he's going to blackmail Americans. Or should I open the show by sharing my truly unkind thoughts about people who won't wear masks? Oh my God, that lady at the DMV. And all those straight men, a majority of them, according to one study, who won't wear masks because they think they make them look weak. Ugh. So I was reading and stressing and spiraling down into a rage when my friend Betsy rescued me with a text. She sent me a link to a quiz at BuzzFeed. Now, BuzzFeed isn't one of my usual stops. They do great work. They do great reporting. I follow a bunch of BuzzFeed writers on Twitter. No shade, BuzzFeed. But not one of my go-tos. That said, maybe I need to start stopping by BuzzFeed every day, more often, to calm myself down. Because the link Betsy sent me it yanked me right out of the hard news rabbit hole I'd fallen in. Here are 10 different relationship scenarios. Are these people cheaters? It's a quiz by BuzzFeed staff writer Kelly Martinez. And everyone gets to vote. Don meets up with his ex for dinner once in a while. Just dinner, but he doesn't tell his girlfriend. Is that cheating or not cheating but kind of sketchy? Only 4% of quiz takers thought Don wasn't cheating. Um, guys, maybe Don's one of those people who's stuck with one of those insanely insecure people who's absolutely unhinged where exes are concerned. I would advise Don to dump such a girlfriend if that was the case, but not everyone can leave or should leave. Life is complicated. Sometimes you got to step around your partner's bullshit. Moving on, Barney finds pictures of other men on his boyfriend's phone. 94% of people polled thought this was either cheating or cheating adjacent behavior. And way more people thought it was actual cheating than just kind of sketchy cheating adjacent behavior. Which leads me to believe that most of the people who took this poll, 94% of them, have never met a gay man, much less dated one or been one. Marissa shares a tent with her ex on a camping trip. Nothing happens, they just sleep. Three times as many people thought that was cheating than thought it wasn't. Now, I'm pleased to say that people didn't think it was cheating when someone hooked up while they were taking a break from their partner, a break their partner knew about, and that it's not cheating if someone you're casually seeing goes on a date with someone else. But there's a lot of evidence in this poll, scientifically unsound and anecdotal evidence, my favorite kind, but still a lot of evidence that too many people still regard way too many things as cheating. And that is a problem. If we define cheating as unforgivable and then define absolutely everything as cheating, we are setting our relationships up for failure. It seems to me, it has always seemed to me, that if you want to have a lot of sex, you want to have as broad a definition of sex as possible. If sex is just one thing, PIV or PIB, and everything else is a sad consolation prize, you're going to have a lot less sex than you would otherwise. And it seems to me 
if you don't want to get cheated on a lot, you want to have as narrow a definition of cheating as possible. Because if everything is cheating, you're going to dump or get dumped a lot more often than you otherwise might. What constitutes cheating is an interesting question and a subjective one. It's personal. But it's something you might want to make sure you're on the same page about before you and your partner have made hard to extricate yourself from commitments, before you've signed that lease, adopted that dog, scrambled your DNA together. And if the person you're dating, casually dating right now, thinking about committing to, regards chatting with an ex or looking at porn or having opposite or same-sex friends as cheating, do yourself a favor and end that relationship before you sign that lease. Anyway, thank you BuzzFeed and thank you Kelly Martinez for reminding me that people are crazy and that I can sometimes open my sex and relationship advice show with a little sex and relationship advice. And thank you too, Betsy. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro edition of the Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's. And on the magnum edition of the Savage Lovecast, author and journalist Jill Filippowitz joins us to talk about her new book, OK Boomer, Let's Talk. We end up in a boomer versus millennial sex and relationship advice showdown. That is on the Magnum that you can subscribe to at savagelovecast.com. Twice as much show, more guests, no ads. All that coming up today. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Babbel. Babbel is the new way to learn a foreign language. This comprehensive learning system combines effective education methods with state-of-the-art technology. And right now, for Savage Love listeners, when you purchase a three-month subscription, Babbel will give you, our listener, three additional months free when you use the promo code SAVAGE. This episode of the Lovecast is brought to you by the good folks at Squarespace. They make it easy to build a beautiful website, blog, or online store. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SAVAGE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode of Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Ernest. Ernest makes it easy to refinance your student loans. Get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash savage. Terms apply. Hi, I am calling in with a quarantine slash success story. So a little bit ago, I shared with my husband my fantasy of having a threesome, specifically with him and another bi guy. And luckily, he was really into it too. So we made a shared FetLife account about a year ago and just never really found someone we could agree on. But just this week, we found a guy who checked most of our boxes and started chatting with him. Two days ago, my husband had to go into the office for a few hours and couldn't be on the group chat with this new guy, so he told me that I could message that guy separately and have some fun on my own. I spent the entire morning sexting this guy. We sent pictures back and forth, talked about what we'd like to do when the three of us could finally meet. It was all really hot and fun. And then a few hours later, when my husband finally got home, he took me right into the bedroom and told me to go down on him while he read through my messages with the other guy. It was amazing. I would definitely chalk this up to a quarantine success. I was really nervous about meeting up with someone in person, but I think communicating over text like we have been and the three of us just getting really excited for when we can finally meet has... Pretty much gone rid of my nervousness. Thank you for calling in and sharing your sexy, sexy story. Congrats on stepping outside your comfort zone. And good for you for having this completely safe sexual adventure that you've enjoyed with your partner. Hopefully you're 
very special from afar guest star is getting as much out of it right now as you guys are. If you want to share your quarantine or sex success stories, we can start the show with something positive. Give us a call, 206-302-2064. Share your story, and we might play it at the top of next week's show. Hey, Dan. This is a 34-year-old late bloomer calling you from Europe with a kind of vague question. So a couple of weeks ago, my boyfriend and I had anal sex, and it was the first time for me. And it was actually really magnificent. I had so much fun. It was so much better than I would have expected. Afterwards, I noticed two things about myself, and I was wondering if you could give me some perspective. Number one, in the hours following, I just felt so weird. I felt like at the same time really introspective. I just kept like going to do something and then just staring in the middle distance for like minutes on end. But I was also like my my heart was racing and I just felt so out of sorts. So I was wondering, is that like a common response to have after getting fucked in the butt for the first time? And my second question also has to do with like side effects, but more lingering ones. So in the days after... I had some pretty bad diarrhea, and I was wondering, could there be some kind of connection between these two? So could it be that some bodies do not respond well to ingesting sperm in that way? Or did I just get a traveler's bug, and is it completely unrelated? Would love to hear your thoughts. So you got your guts rearranged for the first time. Congratulations. And you really enjoyed it. And perhaps it's something that you didn't think you would enjoy. Perhaps it's something that you have internalized cultural messaging about anal sex and how wrong and dirty it is. And that conflicts with your self-conception. And you stepped outside your comfort zone. You did this thing sexually. Maybe you did it for your partner and for their pleasure. And you discovered that you really love it too. That sometimes happens. That's one of the benefits occasionally of stepping outside your sexual comfort zones with a trusted partner. But if that's what happened, if you really, really, really enjoyed something that conflicts with your preconceived notions or your assumptions or the cultural messaging about a certain act that you've internalized, it can bring you into conflict with your self-conception. And that can lead you to staring off into space wistfully for a couple of minutes, wondering who you really are, having to reconstruct your ideas about who you are sexually and what is and isn't okay to enjoy sexually. I remember walking to the Argyle L-stop in Chicago after I gave my first blowjob, staring off into space after scanning the clouds, looking for God, hanging out, (laughs) shooting thunderbolts down from the sky to kill me while my grandmother peered over his shoulder. That didn't happen. I remember sitting on the Argyle L-stop platform in Chicago, staring off into space thinking, am I who I thought I was? Is that okay? Have I stepped over? Have I crossed some Rubicon here? And indeed, I had. And perhaps you have as well. As to the other side effects, I'm thinking the diarrhea for a couple of days after could have been a coincidence. Some people have allergic reactions to their partner's semen, but you would have, if you've been exposed to your partner's semen orally, if you've been exposed to your partner's semen vaginally, if you've had it on your skin, 
you would have had that allergic reaction already. You would have known that your partner's semen can trigger diarrhea. There are some people who get blowjobs, their partner swallow their semen and immediately afterwards, like 20 minutes afterwards, have the shits and they are allergic to some enzymes in their partner's semen. It is a thing that happens. But if it hasn't happened to you before, I think it's likelier that this was a coincidence. Also, maybe you had a reaction to the lubricant that you used. Hopefully you used a lot. Everyone should use a lot, a lot of lube, particularly if you've never been fucked in the ass before, you want to err on the side of buckets of lube. And there are people out there who've come to me concerned because they had anal sex for the first time and they had to run to the toilet immediately afterwards and they're concerned and coming to me about this because they were crapping out this weird mucusy substance. And I've looked at them and said, what do you think that might be? And it dawned on them the last time this happened. It dawned on that person. Oh yeah, that's just the lube leaving the building. Exactly. So maybe it was the lube leaving the building. Sounds to me like Lear, a coincidence. There's a way to determine whether or not, though, this is what your body does after you have anal sex, which is that thing that you enjoyed, that anal sex that you had that caused you to revisit your self-conception. You might want to do that again. If this keeps happening, well, then it's anal sex, obviously. That's doing it. And then you might want to, I don't know, if it's a semen reaction, use condoms for anal. If it's about the lube that you've been using, switch it up. Try a different lube. Been thinking about relearning that language you took in high school or college, but think it will take too much time? Babbel can help you pick it up again and pick it up fast. I've been thinking about brushing up on my German skills lately because I have loved ones in Austria that I won't be able to see for a while. So there's no better time than now, and I will be able to impress them with my German when I get back. Babbel is proven to get you speaking a language within weeks. Babbel designs their courses with real-world conversation in mind, letting you learn a little more every day, practical conversations that you will actually be able to use. The daily lessons are 10 to 15 minutes and start by teaching you words and phrases, then sentences gradually get more complex. Soon you're practicing short conversations. Babbel lessons are thoughtfully created by over 100 language experts, and their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective across multiple studies. They even have speech recognition technology that helps improve your pronunciation and accent. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. And Babbel is available as an app or online, so your progress will be synced across all your devices. And right now, when you purchase a three-month subscription, Babbel will give you, our listener, three additional months for free when you use the promo code SAVAGE. That's three additional months for free if you go to Babbel.com and use promo code S-A-V-A-G-E on your three-month subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan, Nancy, and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. I am a straightish woman in my late 20s living on the East Coast, and I've had a bit of a problem since the very beginning of my sexual life. I'm really loud in bed. I love moaning and yelling and generally vocalizing my excitement. But I don't always want everyone to know that I'm having sex, and not everyone always wants to know when I'm having sex. The problem is, I don't seem to have much control over it. I try to tell myself to take it down a notch, which usually works early on, but almost always ends with me loudly lost in the moment again. I've tried yelling into pillows, but that doesn't really work for every position. It can be helpful and sexy when my partner orders me to be quiet, but I don't always want it to be on them, 
especially since they often like my noises and, and sometimes aren't very good at reminding me to lower the volume. Nearly every roommate I have ever had has approached me about it, neighbors have complained, and even, to my horror, family members. I was hoping you or your listeners might have some tips for keeping the volume down when you don't necessarily want everyone to know that you're currently having an orgasm. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. Female copulatory vocalizations, a.k.a. female copulation calls produced by all female primates. I'm reading from a research paper here, including human females, because, of course, we are primates. There are theories about when women make these vocalizations, these copulatory vocalizations that are louder typically, on average, than men are during sex. Some of those theories point to us being a non-monogamous species, that the woman is screaming and yelling because she's capable of having many, many orgasms and wants sperm from all the best males in the vicinity. And the dude she's fucking now, that she's screaming with now, he's going to fall asleep after he has his one pathetic little orgasm. And then males who heard you screaming and yelling, you know, a mile away, will know that they can drift towards you and you might be ready to mate with somebody else who may have superior spunk for you. Anyway, I digress. What can you do about your terrible, horrifying situation? You can warn your roommates when they move in that this is just a fact, something they're going to have to endure. And if they can't endure it, they don't have to live with you. You can be cognizant of when you're fucking. If it's 3 a.m., maybe you opt for one of those positions where you can shove your face into the pillow or you encourage your partner to order you not to make a sound because it's 3 a.m. But if it's 2 in the afternoon, if it's 10 in the morning, even if your roommates are home and awake, go for it. Be as loud as the hell you want when you are making love. Have you been thinking, just thinking, about putting together a website during this crazy Crazy, crazy time. Well, if you have, and maybe you should, then you should use Squarespace and make it a reality. Squarespace makes it so easy to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store without having massive web design or coding skills. It's intuitive. It's simple to use. You just do it. And it is truly the most efficient way to get a website up quickly. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. They have great-looking templates that you just drop in and it looks good right away. You can collaborate with other members of your group. Hey, Simone, how's it going, Gary? Do an email blast. You can connect with social media. You can get it set up with commerce, which, you know, means you could make some money off your website. Pretty much anything you need. Squarespace has got you covered. Head on over to squarespace.com slash savage for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, when, not if, use the offer code savage to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That helps us here at the Lovecast when you do this. That's squarespace.com slash savage and use the offer code savage. Hi, Dan. Straight gal living on the East Coast. And uh, I have a question about how to talk to a family member who you think is in a potentially dangerous relationship and maybe about to make some dangerous decisions. So my younger sister, uh, she's 25. She started dating a man who is 39. Uh, I found out about this relationship a little while ago. And while I was kind of like, I don't love that. It's also not, you know, the craziest thing in the world for those two people to be dating. So I reserved judgment until I met him. And I just got really, really bad vibes from this guy. Uh, he was in the Marines, but was kicked out and will not say why. He is like 
a professional astrologer and believes in major conspiracy theories from anti-vax stuff to that Bill Gates is trying to um, do population control in Africa uh, to that Wayfair, you know, sells kids in cabinets. He's all in on all of that stuff. Through the course of hanging out, I found out because my sister didn't tell me she was trying to be kind of secretive about it, that he is living with her. They've only been dating for two and a half months, but he supposedly lost his place and now he has moved into hers. Uh, she's told me a couple times that he's looking for a sublet, but I don't believe that. And now I have found out that she just told my parents, um, who also agreed that the guy just seemed off, that we just did not get good energy from him. Now we have found out that she told my parents um, that she plans to move to Mexico with him. Uh, that they're planning to relocate there so that she can teach yoga. They're planning to drive there. I don't even know if that's possible at this point. But the bottom line is, I'm seeing a million red flags in this relationship. I've listened to this podcast long enough to know that a premature commitment is a major sign of future abuse. And I think just the way that he has moved in with her so quickly, the way that he's trying to get her out of this country and isolate her from her entire family in the middle of a pandemic. It just doesn't sit right with me. And my parents are going to speak to her again in a couple of days. And I have been instructed to wait to talk to her until then, because she still hasn't actually told me any of this stuff herself. And I'm just really struggling with how to firmly tell her how bad of an idea that I think this is while also knowing that she is an adult and she's going to do what she wants to do, that she doesn't like to be told what to do, and that my advice might push her further into his arms if I don't deliver it in the right way. So any thoughts that you or your listeners have about what I should say to my sister would be much appreciated. Man, it is frustrating when you know someone so well and you know that if you tell this person not to put their hand down on that hot stove that they've already burned their hand on before, they're just going to press their ass down on that hot ass stove. Yeah, it's frustrating. It can feel like a waste of time, wasted effort, but the duties of sisterhood, one of the duties of friendship, sisterhood, parenthood, is to point this shit out to someone. Even if you know they're not going to listen now, maybe what you had to say will finally register down the road at some point. And if in addition to pointing out all the red flags, you emphasize that when this, if this, but when this comes to shit, that they can rely on you. They can call you. Even if they ignore your advice right now, you're not going to take it personally and you're not going to hold a grudge. You want your sister, in this case, to reach out to you. If she's in Mexico and isolated and realizes that everything her parents told her about this being a bad idea and everything you told her about this being a bad idea is true and you guys were right and she was wrong, that she can call you, you will get whatever money she needs to her so she can get her ass out of there and get home and you're not going to I told you so her. Not right away. You can have the I told you so conversation a little down the road. You know, it's been my experience when you warn someone not to do something and they do it anyway and you're there for them and you're helpful and you help extricate them from the shit that they got themselves into – Eventually, you will have an I told you so conversation, but for it to be a constructive one, usually the person 
that you told so has to initiate the I told you so conversation. They will come to you at some point and say, you were right. And then you can gently walk them through why you were right and what it is about them and their personality or their blind spots that prevented them from seeing what everybody else could see. And not to make them feel bad about what just happened, but so that in the future, and this is what you should say to your sister, when you get to that I told you so conversation, if you get there, red flags are not always determinative. Sometimes you spot a red flag and it's legitimately a red flag moving away after knowing someone for three months to Mexico where you're going to be isolated. An abuser would do that, but people who aren't abusers have also done that. But if you get there, if you get to that I told you so, it's not about rehashing the past and assigning blame or guilt. It's about telling your sister, you know, you have this blind spot and what you need to do in the future is maybe listen to us, weigh what we have to say and take into account past experience and your inability when you're smitten, when you're really in love to see those red flags, rely on us to help point them out to you. Maybe it'll work. Doesn't always work. Some people are blind to it. You say that your sister doesn't listen to people and does the opposite of what anybody tells her to do. I know people like that and you can warn them until you're blue in the face. You can warn them until you're out of oxygen and on the floor gasping and it'll never work. And if that's your experience, well, at a certain point, maybe you're off the hook and you don't have the duty to warn. I think you have a responsibility to. I think you should say something to your sister. You could just play this call for your sister. Play your part of this call for your sister. You say it all very well in the call. I love my high student loan payment, said no one ever. Check if refinancing with Ernest could help you lower your monthly payments. Checking takes just two minutes. If you've been making the same monthly payments on your student loans for the last couple of years, Odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. Even if you've refinanced before, with today's low-rate environment, most people could save even more by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and it's easy. To start, complete a few questions online only takes two minutes. Then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Ernest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees, and the internet loves Ernest's customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And right now, you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash Savage. Again, get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at Ernest.com slash Savage. Not available in all states. Visit Ernest.com slash Savage for more details, terms, and conditions apply. Ernest Student Loan Refinance Loans are made by Ernest Operations, LLC, NMLS, number 1204917, California Financing Law, license number 605-4788-303, 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit Ernest.com, that's E-A-R-N-E-S-T, dot com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. Hi, Dan and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. I am a gay male, my late 20s, in a monogamous relationship of almost four years, and have a question about webcam chatting and chat rooms. So before my relationship, I really got off on going on webcam chat rooms and broadcasting myself. 
in just, yeah, telling guys what to do, having them tell me what to do and all that good stuff. Uh, once I got into my relationship and I was in the honeymoon phase, I kind of forgot about them. But uh, since quarantine has started, I've had a lot more time on my hands and I found myself going back on that on those uh, webcam chat rooms where I broadcast myself. I don't know if this makes a difference or not, but I'm not getting compensated for this. It's just like literally just camming. And I'm wondering if this is something that I should bring up with my partner or if it's something I can keep to myself. Uh, in the past, he's mentioned that he would never want to open up the relationship. So I'm scared that me camming with other guys is some sort of opening uh, openness to a relationship. So... What's your advice on this? Should I talk to my partner about this? Can I just be my personal, private, sexual thing? It can be your personal, private, sexual thing. Sounds like it already is your personal, private, sexual thing because you're doing it. You've already started doing this again without your partner's consent. And I think the reason you haven't gone to your partner for permission is because you know you won't get it, that he's going to tell you no. And so you're backing into one of those circumstances in a relationship where eventually you're going to have to ask for forgiveness because you didn't ask for permission. I'm with you. I think people have a right to a zone of sexual autonomy. And I don't think one person can be all things to another person sexually. And having an outlet like this, which allows you to have erotic experiences and engagements with other men that doesn't involve any physical contact, puts your boyfriend at no danger of contracting an STI. Most of the people that you're going to meet up with on a volunteer cam horse site are going to be far, far away from you. So you're not going to be tempted to meet any of these guys in real life. And they're not competition and they shouldn't exercise your boyfriend's jealousy bone or whatever his issue might be with something like this. But early in the relationship, he made it clear to you that he would never want to open it. And it doesn't sound like you guys had much of a conversation about how he defines open and what he defines as cheating. These days, a lot of people define a lot of things as cheating. And then they come to me and complain about how they've been cheated on in every relationship that they've ever been in. Seems to me that if you want to have a lot of sex, you want as broad a definition of sex as possible. We talk about that a lot. And if you want to not be cheated on constantly, you want as narrow a definition of cheating as possible. So I wouldn't count this as cheating myself. I'm not your boyfriend though. And so you are setting traps for yourself. You're, you know, seeding a field that you're dancing in with this guy with landmines and eventually you're going to step on it because even if you're only camming with guys on the other side of the world, what are the odds that he might know one of these guys? Somebody might recognize you, know that you're in a relationship with him. Some friend of his sees you. It gets back to him. Somebody is being an asshole and without your consent, recording these cam sessions. And if your face or identifiable tattoos are in them, they end up on the internet and your boyfriend stumbles over them. A year or two out from now, maybe when the stakes are much higher emotionally or financially for you guys to break up. Yeah, I think you need to have a conversation. I think you need to revisit that conversation with him about openness and check with him. I don't necessarily think you need to confess that you've already been doing it, but you don't want to be in a long-term committed sexually exclusive relationship with someone that you have to hide who you are as a sexual being from. So tell him that this is something that you've done in the past and that you've really enjoyed and tell him it's something you'd like to do 
in the future and you don't see it as cheating and then see how he feels about it. And if he does see it as cheating and it's really important to you to have this outlet, well, then one of you is going to have to pay the price of admission here. One of you is going to have to issue an ultimatum, which is usually how the price of admission around issues like this ultimately gets paid or how you figure out who pays that price of admission. If this is something that for him you're not willing to give up, tell him. If it's something that he is not willing to allow and will give you up if you insist on doing, then he'll have to tell you that. And then you both have a decision to make. Again, if you were my boyfriend, I would sign off on this happily. I am not your boyfriend. He's who you need to check with. Hi, Dan. I'm a 27-year-old gay man, and recently I started seeing someone. We have had an amazing time, and I have connected with him in a way that I've never connected with anyone before. I've never been in a relationship before. So I uh, really want this to work, and I'm excited about it. But one of the last times that we hang out, hung out, he told me something uh, that made me realize that I might be out of my depth. He basically said that he is protected by the government. Uh, because he has special abilities and that a specific kind of mythological creature is real. He said that he upset a specific political candidate who is out to get him. And he also told me that the radio sends him messages that he can interpret and uh, several other things that sounded a lot to me like maybe he had untreated schizophrenia. I contacted my mother, who's a social worker, and my best friend, who's a therapist, and I just sort of ran all of this stuff by them in a little bit more detail. And, of course, all of this is theoretical, and, of course, they can't diagnose him because they don't know him. But they did say that these things can point to schizophrenia. I guess my question for you is, how do I proceed with this responsibly? I really like this guy. And I really, I don't think this is a deal breaker for me. And I think that there's a lot of time to still figure out if this is true and how prevalent it is in his life. But I also sort of feel this weird responsibility that because he is a very isolated person and doesn't have a lot of friends and isn't close with his family, I kind of feel like if it is the case that he has any mental health issues related to these things that he told me, that he might not get help if there isn't someone like me around him that cares. And there aren't really resources out there for people who are getting into relationships with someone who might have untreated schizophrenia. And of course, that makes perfect sense because it's really dangerous to let people run around and maybe start diagnosing their partners uh, before knowing them. And I'm aware that I can be potentially doing that, but I just want to make sure that I'm not taking advantage of him. And I want to make sure that when this ends, if it ends, that we both leave it in a healthy place. I was tempted while listening to your call to Google, what is the non-ableist version of don't stick your dick in crazy? But I didn't Google that. I assume that there's some version of that. Don't stick your dick in unwell. Don't stick your dick in untreated mental illnesses. This guy has problems, and I think that you should listen to your mother and your friend, the social worker and the therapist, about what's going on here. They haven't met him, but this, the government is speaking to me through the radio. I'm being controlled. I have magical, mythical superpowers. 
and I'm being protected by the government and yet the radio is sending me – that's classic symptoms of schizophrenic mania. And while good working order is a spectrum, someone who has untreated schizophrenia is almost the sort of definition of not in good working order, not someone that you are safe being in a relationship with. You have paranoid delusions. And right now they're not focused on you, but the longer you hang out with him, the likelier his paranoid delusions are to attach to you. And that won't be safe. You need to ask yourself, why isn't his biological family, his family of origin in his life? Why does he have no friends? The odds that he has driven people out of his life because he has an untreated mental illness are very high. There is a sort of implied consensus there. And it is sad and it is tragic. But there is an implied consensus there that the people who might be in his life, who ought to be in his life, who should be in his life, don't feel safe being in his life because he has an untreated mental illness. It speaks well to your character that you want to help this guy. Tap your mom, tap the friend, tap the therapist, tap the social worker about what resources there are in your area for someone with schizophrenia and then perhaps have an intervention where you plead and talk to this guy about what his issue is. But you can't reason with this kind of irrationality. And unfortunately, there isn't much that you as the boyfriend, the brand new boyfriend, can do about it. You can't compel him to seek treatment. But you can't safely date him if he doesn't seek treatment. So the good guy thing to do in this instance, the thing that is in this person's best interest but also in your own self-interest and to protect yourself is to present him with what resources are available and there is not much actually frankly out there. We use the criminal justice system to treat mental illness in this country and it is a sad and tragic fucking crime. Present him with what resources are available and if he want to avail himself of them, you will have to exit his life. It isn't safe for you to stay in this relationship. I hate to be the bearer of this kind of bad news and he isn't a bad person. He's just an unwell person. But somebody with schizophrenia often doesn't know that they're unwell and rejects all help until they reach a crisis point where help is imposed on them. Doesn't sound like he's at that crisis point yet. I don't think it would be safe for you to be in a relationship with him when he gets to that crisis point. I wish we had better mental health resources in this country. It's one of the things that we don't do because we have prioritized making Jeff Bezos a billionaire over taking care of vulnerable people like this guy that you've been seeing. And that honestly, and as hard as this is to hear, and it really is difficult as it is for me to say, this guy that you need to stop seeing. Hi, Dan. I recently discovered a notebook that my son had in his room. Uh, I was not snooping, but I just happened to stumble upon it. And when I opened it, I found some pictures that he had drawn of bondage and a picture of a woman hanging from a hook. And she was anatomically correct and seemed to be quite happy. But it was she was definitely tied up and it was uh, bondage and quite graphic. He's 18 and um, he and I have a good relationship he and I talked about it. He does not express animosity towards women. He has had a couple relationships with women. I don't think it's a big deal, but his father, whom I'm divorced from, thinks it's a very big deal and that he should undergo counseling, which is difficult to do because he's 18 and you cannot 
force an 18-year-old legally to get counseling. Do you think that this is a concern or indicative of a serious issue lurking below the waterline, so to speak, and it deserves consultation with a professional? He's 18. Your ex-husband can't force him to see a counselor. If your ex-husband has some sort of financial or emotional leverage that he's willing to exploit to force his son to see a counselor, you can pull a fast one and go to asect.org. That's A-A-S-E-C-T.org, the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists, and find on their website a sex-positive, kink-positive therapist who is willing to work with, probably would be happy to work with your son. I'm glad you had that convo with him as awkward as it might have been and you were reassured that he doesn't have issues with women. Bondage and BDSM fantasies are really common, really popular. According to one study cited by Justin Lay Miller on his terrific blog, Sex and Psychology, 21% of women and 22% of men have experimented with and enjoyed bondage as a sexual activity. So, There's nothing one in five people have done what your son is interested in doing or may have already done. Have this common interest, the sexual interest, this erotic response to bondage. And so long as he sees other people not just as objects but as human beings with feelings, he's not a fucking sadistic sociopath, this is probably in the long run going to make his sex life more enjoyable and more interesting and varied, particularly if he accepts it about himself and isn't – guilted about it or shamed about it. It's the shame that often warps people who have non-normative sexual interests. You aren't shaming him. His father is. If his father somehow can force him to talk to a counselor against his will, run some interference, find a kink positive counselor for your son at ASEC.org. Hi, Dan. I'm a 40-year-old heterosexual woman, and I have a question about a lover turning selfish. I've had the same partner for five years. We're monogamous with each other, even though we're not really a couple. We're more best friends who have sex. Anyway, everything's always been great. But like in the last few months, we'll start getting into it. And in like five minutes, he'll say something like, oh, you want this inside of you? Like trying to talk dirty or, oh, you want me to fuck you now? And I'm like, yeah, maybe in a half an hour. I'm not ready. I don't say that, obviously, but that's what I'm thinking. And I'm getting resentful. And then I can't wait. I can't wait till he's done and then get him to make me come because I don't want to have PIV sex until I'm really, really turned on. So this has been a change of him becoming selfish. And I don't know how to say during sex, during foreplay, well, what's left of foreplay or at other times, I don't know how to bring this up. Can you help? So come on. He says, do you want this inside you? Question mark. Are you ready for me to fuck you? Question mark. Those are questions. He's opening a door for you to walk through. And all you have to say is not yet. And you can say that in a a sexy way where you're not shutting him down. You're leaving the trail of breadcrumbs for him that he has to follow that gets him into your pussy. Tell him what he has to do. I'm not there yet, but I will be soon. What I need you to do. You want to fuck me? Turn it back around on him. Ask him a question in return. You want to fuck me? And he's going to say, yes, he wants to fuck you. He's ready to fuck you. That's why I asked if you were ready. And you say, yeah, well, then you have to eat my pussy for 15 minutes. You got to get me there. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready for you to get me ready, big boy. 
respond, answer the question, answer the question honestly and directly. And if he gets sore about it, if he takes it the wrong way, well, then he doesn't deserve to have his dick in your fucking pussy. And under those circumstances where you're not turned on and is not yet pleasurable to you, you don't want his dick in your pussy. So if he gets upset when the answer to, do you want this inside you? Are you ready for me to fuck you? Is no, not yet. But in a sexy, inviting, building on that question sort of way, well, okay, well, then he's disqualified himself. Not a guy you want to fuck. Not under those circumstances or those conditions. So answer the question. When he asks it, just answer the goddamn question and be honest and direct and playful about it. All right, before we get to your response calls, let's read your tweets. Harlena tweets, is it wrong that I've been craving camembert since at fake Dan Savage's story on this week's Savage Lovecast? I'll try not to think about it too much. That's always my strategy. When someone serves me camembert, I try not to think about it too much. Just enjoy. Frequent Savage Lovecast guest Joan Price tweets, Thanks at Fake Dan Savage for the Savage Lovecast every Tuesday. Learned about Miss V Chicago this week, Mistress Velvet, the dominatrix with her acquired syllabus for her clients, and Kendra Holiday's blog post about seeing clients during COVID, all thought-provoking. Thank you, Joan, but the thanks really should go to Nancy Hartunian. She's always done the heavy lifting around here and deserves all the credit for keeping the Lovecast coming at you during COVID. And Rebel Scum tweets, the Savage Lovecast is so ridiculously educating. Thank you, Rebel. But the credit here goes to my guests like Mistress Velvet and Jen Gunter and Justin Lee Miller and Debbie Herbenick and David Lay and Erica Moan, all the people who come on the show to educate my listeners and educate me. And a quick update. We spoke a couple of weeks ago with Chelsea from the Love Is Not Tourism campaign. That's the effort to help people who are separated from romantic partners by COVID-19 travel bans. I'm happy to report that Chelsea was reunited with her partner in Austria last week. So her story has a happy ending. Congrats to Chelsea and Luca. All right, if you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to include the hashtag Savage Lovecast. And now your response calls. Hi, Dan and everybody. I'm calling in response to the woman who called in whose brother-in-law had stolen her panties and then lied about it. Dan, I think your advice was pretty good. But something that I would add is that I think her sister should communicate to her husband that he needs to do the work of skirting his sister-in-law at family functions. I think as women, we are super, super conditioned to work around men and creepy men and borderline violent men in our lives and in the world. And that something that would be really appropriate in this situation is to shift the burden of um, accommodating onto him. So maybe it means that he agrees at family functions to never be alone in the same room with her or to give her a certain amount of physical space. And then he can become the person who needs to do the navigating rather than the woman who called. Hi, Dan. I'm calling about the caller in episode 719 who couldn't enjoy blowjobs because her jaw hurt so much um, from her TMJ dysfunction. I used to have the same problem. Um, My jaw would hurt when I was going down on anyone, even the licking action, but certainly keeping my mouth wide open uh, would cause me pain. And then I tried a thing called Rolfing Structural Integration. I got a 10 series of that. And lo and behold, I could open my mouth without pain. 
And then about 10 years later, I discovered that not only was the giving blowjobs enjoyable and not painful, but if I hit a certain spot in the back of my throat, it can trigger orgasms in me. So happy mouth opening. This was in response to a caller that was having jaw condition that wouldn't let her keep her jaw open for a long time giving blowjobs. I feel like the world has a misconceived notion about blowjobs because of porn. Honestly, I don't think I have that jaw condition, but there's so much you can do with your mouth that doesn't involve, like, deep-throating somebody's penis. Honestly, dudes love when you tongue their balls. You can experiment with anything, just asking your partner if it feels good. Just running, running your tongue up and down the shaft. There's so many things you can do without cracking open the old jaw and taking back the whole thing. Pretty sure anyone that has a penis is just stoked to have your mouth anywhere near it. So just experiment, try new things. It's not as glamorous or as jaw-related as porn lets people believe. And we're going to leave it there. 206-302-2064 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you'd like to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-302-2064. Better yet, use the voice memo app on your phone to record your question. It's better sound quality. It's better for the show. Then email us your question at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. We have an announcement to make. The producers of Hump are starting a new podcast in September. It's called Five Minute fuck it's going to be a showcase for your dirty stories all five minutes or less like hump films but this is audio we're looking for erotic fiction tales sexy true stories or whatever you think makes a great five minutes dirty listening our favorite entries will be compiled into one great podcast series they're going to share a portion of the revenue with you the callers whose stories get on the show and one lucky story will be part of the 2021 hump film festival program we're going to get animated Five Min, that's F-I-V-E-M-I-N, fuck.com to learn more about submitting your sexy story. And speaking of smut, if you missed your chance to watch our 15th annual Hunt Film Festival online, we are bringing it back this fall for a few encore presentations by popular demand. Go to humpfilmfest.com to get your tickets and a variety of different things. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanceSavage. Follow Jill Polipovich on Twitter at J-I-L-L-F-I-L-I-P-O-V-I-S. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me in the text heavy at this week. And Nancy, I'll be back at you next week. installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading. <laughs>